And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Deep cleansing breath. (laughs) I tell you, folks, this is, uh, I don't know how many days now where we've had internet connection problems just as we start to go live with something. It happened to us uh, Monday, and um, just one of those things. Hello, everybody. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. We are broadcasting live, and it does look like this signal is going through okay. Odyssey, YouTube, and Facebook. And uh, hopefully we don't say anything that gets us dinged from uh, from Susan, uh, from, from Aunt Susan over there. The chat is open for those of us who are, uh, those of you who are with us live. If you're not, you can still uh, leave a comment. And this show is available in podcast form as well. Uh, So you can check us out on various different podcast player platforms. And uh, we do invite you to check us out uh, there if you're so inclined. Although you do kind of miss something in the translation because we don't have video in our podcast. But, you know, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, real quick follow-up on uh, our Monday show for uh, covering what happened with Sifwa and Mercedes Lackey. Sersova Magazine has uh, has unearthed uh, this uh, this actual this quote from Mercedes Lackey talking about how cancel culture was a completely imaginary thing. It's a made-up thing. It's an alt-right uh, conspiracy thing. I guess she learned the hard way that that's not entirely the case so you know there is that uh speaking of our podcast want to uh give a shout out to our listeners in the uk canada germany latvia egypt spain uh, of course here in the united states as well glad to have all of you with us and uh, feel free to share tell people about uh, this show this channel the other programs that we've got we do enjoy having that audience grow Uh, We're right now sitting at 2,040 subscribers on YouTube, 158 on Odyssey. I would like to get that Odyssey number up because I got this little tiny niggling idea in the back of my head that maybe at some point we leave YouTube, but I don't know yet. We'll see. YouTube is a fairly useful tool, but it's a necessary evil. It's not not something that that, uh, I think is is good for extreme long-term things, so... Uh, we'll we'll see. All right, it is Star Wars Day. It's officially Star Wars Day. This is forty five years ago today. Star Wars came out, and at some point we'll probably talk a little bit about the influence that Star Wars has had on everything. Maybe maybe we'll make an H two O podcast discussion out of it. But today. We are going to be talking about Dracula, and joining us from his compound in Utah, Clint Stoker is back. This is, I think, your third appearance on the program. Welcome back, sir. Yeah, great, great to be here, uh, back again. I'm always imp- you're so professional, unlike my <laughs> show. <laughs> you know, everybody, uh, everybody has their their different entry points. Um, you know, and, and there's nothing, 
you know, there's nothing that says that any any one of us is doing it more right than anybody else. So, you know, yeah. I appreciate the comment, but yeah, it's good. So the new book launched today. It is Clint Stoker's Dracula. And let me do a refresh here on the Indiegogo campaign. You're currently sitting at forty six hundred dollars, eighty five backers. Uh, congratulations. Right. You just launched this a couple hours ago. And you're already halfway to your goal. Yeah, yeah, over halfway. Uh, it's been, I I always, I got to check back. I think it's been every one of my campaigns has been a, a $8,000 fixed goal. I don't exactly know why. That's just the, what I did on the first one. So I've continued that trend. Uh, but it, it's always good to see, like, uh, you want to crush that goal as quickly as possible. Right. Because it makes for the rest of your campaign to just, be a great campaign so well and it's also a marketing point because when you can sit there and say you know our backers are so enthusiastic we were fully funded in an hour we were fully funded in in you know less than 24 hours in five minutes or you know whatever whatever it is the case may be yeah you know that's a plus too because now that's something you can sit there and say you know bandwagon stuff all of these people are in on it you should get in on it too before it misses out you you get that that fear of missing out aspect of it as well absolutely so this is what your this is your seventh campaign and i heard you talking about it earlier the the book is done is that right do i have that right yeah um this is i know from being a backer and also creating campaigns myself that right. the the there's so much that can go wrong in the production of a book and it can be very frustrating when everything, you know, you're, you have the book ready to go. You think it's, you know, pretty good to go, but then this thing goes wrong. That thing goes wrong and it really delays uh, everything. And so with this, I thought, well, we'll get started on Dracula. And um, I paid for it out of pocket to produce it. Obviously um, we still have to get it printed. It's at the printer right now, but we have to pay for it to be printed and pay for it to be shipped. And I'm hoping to get my money back as well. <laughs> I invested into it. Right. And so this is different for me in, in that, you know, how much of it is finished. I mean, the pre-press was, that's a, another process that can take some time, but we got the, all that done first. So um, I am, this is a campaign for people that want a quick turnaround. They want to back it and then get the book soon after that's uh, where we're at here. So barring any major uh, printing fiasco, um, it should be a very fast turnaround time. And this is a black and white book, art by Donald DeLay. Uh, yeah. how, now, now this is a connection that you've made probably through all of the different Comics Gate, Indie Comics, Twitter, back and forth, and and whatnot. How much, uh, how much of a conversation did you have with Donald? before the idea of having him on this book? I mean, did you guys know each other pretty well, or this was kind of a new thing? You're like, hey, uh, you know, I like your art. Why don't you come on the book? Um, we we hadn't been um, super close or anything like that, but, I mean, I've I've messaged, messaged Donald here and there. Um, he's messaged me here and there uh, over the years. Um, so I hadn't, hadn't been um, real close with Donald before, but as I kind of got into Dracula and got into 
what is the, the that look and feel that I want, Donald just kept coming to mind to draw it. Um, and so I reached out to him and said, Hey, do you want to, you want to draw Dracula? He was really happy to do it. And so it, it worked out really easily. Um, I think a lot of it was just the timing and everything worked out pretty well, but, uh, man, he, he just did such a good job. And this was one that didn't, luckily the book production process didn't have a lot of hiccups and snags. So it, it went super smoothly. Um, so yeah, Went, went very well, and now we have a finished book because of it. Well, now, and you talk about the pre-press uh, process of this, and a lot of people who get started on their first book don't realize just how much work goes into getting... You have the pages, you have the artwork, you have the files for that, but they have to be paginated properly, they've got to be formatted properly, you have to put them in a particular order in order for the printing to, to line up uh, just so how much of a learning curve is there for newbies you know you've done this now a few times so yeah. you know you mentioned hiccups those things are always going to happen but yeah. if you've got somebody who's brand new at this and they come to you and they say clint tell me how to do this what's what's the biggest hurdle concern that that new people should have when it comes to getting the book ready for going to the printer? Yeah. Um, well, there's a few things. You need the right tools. Um, uh, I use uh, Adobe InDesign, mm -hmm. which is you know on par with Adobe Photoshop and Adobe, Adobe Illustrator. And personally, I think you'd need all three of those programs to really make it happen because in my case, it's uh, the lettering is happening in Illustrator the artwork could be happening in Photoshop or it could be happening. You know, it's, you have all these moving parts, people that are uh, on the creative team and they're using Adobe creative suite products a lot of the time. Um, so I bring everything to InDesign, but, but then you also have to be in communication with your printer, which is why I think something that doesn't get talked about is having a printer that can communicate to you in a fast and clear way. Uh, it, it's, massive i'm willing to pay more for my books to be printed if i have a printer that i trust and can communicate with me uh so that that's pretty big that uh, seems so to be one of those things that that you know uh i i've heard peter Sabitti talk about it a, a few times the various different issues that he's had finding a reliable printer and i didn't realize i guess i mean i've i've not been in that in that world, I didn't realize how much of a challenge that can be. But then, then I get to thinking about it, and I think this is such an esoteric product. You know, especially when you're talking about you know doing doing comic books the old-fashioned style with you know newsprint and and that sort of thing. But but the the comic book format even. It's a different page size. You've got the you know all of the different things that go with it in terms of the layout, and I would guess that most printing shops don't do a whole lot when it comes to to comic books. I mean, they maybe do magazines or you know direct mail pieces or that kind of thing might be the the closest thing they ever get to it. Right, and if you have to train a new a printer like that's been printing stuff for years, and you have to train them on hey, well, comics should be this way. And <laughs> yes, it is important if the books show up and they're slightly damaged. Like the corner being dinged 
is is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and to some printers, if they're used to doing uh, pamphlets and magazines and stuff, to them it's not. It doesn't matter. It's a non-issue. But in comics, it is an issue, especially when people are paying, you know, high prices for crowdfunded comic books. So yeah, to me, I err on the side of. I would rather work with a printer that's done comics. They understand the medium. Uh, I use API printing and they've been really good to me. Uh, this is actually a hardcover book this time, my first hardcover, but I've seen so many that they've have printed uh, that it's helpful. That'd be another thing too, is I'd say if, if you get a comic book uh, that uh, you get a book and it is printed in a beautiful way that you like the way it looks, find out where it was printed. And I would start there. You know, start with those printers that are yeah. doing a killer job with the end product. But don't ask Peter because he won't tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I, he, I'd have to ask him, but I think that part of his reasoning is, is he wants to make sure that they don't uh, screw up yeah. on the next print run. And then he'll he'll be like, well, never mind. I don't recommend them anymore. Yeah, that's that's um, how he's that's how he's uh, conveyed it to me as well. He's like, yeah, I'm just okay. I'm just going to keep it to myself for now because and, and I understand that because if you make a recommendation for a company, you know, I just say, hey, I'm looking for I'm looking for a lawn service. I'm looking for a plumber. I'm looking for a printer. You make a recommendation for this company and then the company turns out to do a, a lousy job. Not only do you have, you know, the person you you made the recommendation to is upset with the company for for screwing up. but They're also upset with you for making the recommendation. But like. You know, everybody ends up looking bad on that stuff. So I can I can totally yeah. understand Peter's reluctance to to share it until he's absolutely sure. Yeah, so. yeah. And with me, I've used I've used API long enough that I know um, how they work. Um, do, I mean, delays in printing have been. I don't know if you've been following the news lately on printing, but there have been so many problems with printing uh, the yeah. past two years. Um, so, and I've experienced those downcast three, there were shortages. Uh, is it mostly on, paper shortage or is there also ink issues and, and machine maintenance? How, how, how has the supply chain issue actually impacted printing? Well, so at first I went right through this with downcast, uh, three at first it was that they didn't have the personnel that were enough personnel that were trained in the building to be able to operate at full capacity. So that started making the wait list longer. Right. And that was just man-made, you know, COVID restrictions that people couldn't get in and work. Um, then after that, it was, hey, because of all these restrictions that have been happening globally, uh, paper shortages are, are now a problem. Uh, the paper shortages are still a problem right now. And I, I don't completely understand. I never thought it would last this long. Uh, especially and you think, you know, how many people are actually printing books, but the numbers are getting bigger and bigger because there are printers that are going out of business, um, due to a lot of the, the issues. So it's, it's rough. Um, the, the way I tried to avoid the delay this time is I got the book done so far in advance and the printer knew it was coming down the pike in gosh, December, they knew it was coming. And so we, we kind of worked out that it was coming. I wanted to get it on the schedule. I got them printing the covers first. Um, and then the interior pages are a lot easier for them to cover, but there's a, there's just a big process depending on what kind of books you're making. These are hardcover books. So 
the covers are actually printed at a different facility and they have to ship. So they travel to the ship, you know, where the interiors are printed and then they have to be combined together. So it's this, it's a pretty big process to get uh, hardcover books put together. Now, how are these going to be assembled? Are they going to be saddle stitched or sewn together? Because you've got a hardcover that's a different, that's a different way of getting the pages inside the book. So they stay. Yeah. Yeah, so the way that they do it, it, well, API calls it Smythe Sewn. I think that's a, and that's sewn like needle and thread sewn. Mm-hmm. So they, um, there's a few different ways. I know for hardcover books, you can get a glued spine or you can get the sewn spine. I've got a sewn spine. Those are the best because we'll that's where you get longer. the beautiful eye. You know, when you open a book, you can kind of see in the spine, there's an eye that opens up. Everything's sewn to a ribbon. And um, you can see inside, deep inside those gutters, so you get you know full view of the pages. So that's uh, that's the route we're going. We're not. There's still glue involved. There's still, you know, spines have to stretch, and it is a relatively small book, so you're not going to get, you know, it's not like an omnibus or something like that. So it's not going to stretch out as big just because it doesn't have as many pages. But it, it'll be really fun. And I've seen enough hardcovers that they've done that. It, they do a really good job. They're um, nice books. Uh, Robert says, "Hail Clint, the Latter Day Stoker." I wanted to I wanted to highlight that for a second because uh, it, you've you've talked about this a little bit, um, and we've talked about it in the past on on the, on here on uh, this show. But this the title of this project, Clint Stoker's Dracula, and. It's a retelling, and if I if I look at this right, you're setting this in a modern era. Is that right? Do I have that right? Correct, so it's sort yeah. of a reimagining of the Dracula tale. And, of course, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and you were talking earlier today when you were launching this thing that you got into Dracula when you were in junior high. And, of course, you've got the typical, you know, junior high, elementary school, yuck yucks, your last name is Stoker, you must be related, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you actually are related I, I to Bram Stoker. So yeah, yeah. you, you kind of downplay that a little bit and you talk about that it's a distant relation, but just for people who are curious, how, how does all of that work? I, it's to me, it's hilarious uh, how I'm related. So I, I didn't know I, I was officially related, but um, I did some research. My mom's uh, done a lot of genealogy and uh it's all on, I actually proved it on a stream once, but I've got, I think it's family familyhistory.org, something like that. Uh, Ancestry, maybe. Anyway, you can go through it and see where the connection is, but I'm actually not related to Bram through my father. So my Stoker last name is not his Stoker last name. I'm related through my mom's side. Which Interesting. Is hilarious. Yeah. So uh, we're 11th cousins, four times removed. It's, uh, I think I'm more closely related to my own wife. <laughs> like, like if you, if you went through the, the actual, uh, you know, family history stuff, which is, is super weird. So it is very distant. Um, I, but I, you know, that's the point is kind of to just lean in it and accept it. Like I'm Bram Stoker's, uh, descendant. I'm going to do this story. Yeah. Um, but, and th- I'm not the first one too. That's the funny thing is I've done some research and, there were there was a guy I think it was back in like 2011 or something that was a de, uh, a relative of Bram Stoker a descendant and he wrote another novel uh, like prose book 
and it was i don't know what it was a sequel or whatever to dracula but uh he did that and i you can see the gimmick coming through but i'm just sort of embracing it uh yeah. rather than taking it too seriously sifas so says uh he's also related to brahm uh, through distant relatives, Adam and Eve. <laughs> so, uh, Great point. Yeah. Cam1138 says that you're a double stoker, I guess, now, right? <laughs> is, is that, I guess that's kind of like a double-fisted drinker. You're a double yeah. stoker. <laughs> so, okay, so you mentioned getting interested in Dracula in junior high and the monster stuff and everything. What is it that draws you to this story that now you want to go back and you want to retell it and, and do a, a modern interpretation. What was yeah. the genesis of this idea? So I liken this to, uh, you know, we'll pretend for a moment that I worked for one of the big two publishers and then they assigned me to write a book. Um, I didn't uh, initially have a story for Dracula and it's been years that people have been kind of poking me like, Hey, you're going to do a Dracula book. Um, and I didn't have a story for it. And then I thought, okay, maybe I will. So I put one together. That was, I put a script together. That was fun. It was very short. It was going to be a one shot. And I talked about it on stream and people were saying, no, we want Dracula to be big, like take it seriously, do a full on, give Dracula his due. And so I changed my mindset and thought, you know what? I'm being commissioned to write this book let's i'm going to take this seriously and do a really my best work great dracula story and so i went back to the drawing board brand new script totally different uh angle for it and um that's what we have here so it, it wasn't a story i had in mind uh to start off with but it was people were asking for it and to me as a writer that's that's a challenge, you know, can you, can you, can you write a story here? So I had a lot of fun with it. And once I started doing research and finding themes that I wanted to explore with the story, I got really into it and it was a ton of fun to write, especially horror, which is not usually my, uh, you know, not usually what I'm writing. And so it was really fun to just lean in and say, this is going, I just want people to feel a little unsettled, right. you know, by, by this story. So it was a really fun challenge. There are other projects that are the, you know, the whole vampire thing. I mean, Dracula being the, the most heavily influential on, on all of this. Um, but at some point, and I don't know if it was Interview with a Vampire that did it. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody did it prior to that. But this notion of vampires being sexy... Seems to me a little bit antithetical. Yeah, I I get it. The you know you you're seducing followers and and that sort of thing. Are you? Is any of that in this one? Are are we looking at uh, you know the the more erotic type vampire, or is this just straight up blood and guts horror vampire like you know Bella Lugosi type stuff? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I. I really went back to what was Dracula the novel. And to me, I describe Dracula as a slow burn horror. Yeah. Um, if you read the novel, it's this just unsettling building tension and then validation that, that something is off, you know, and it, it's, that is, it's just sort of this looming threat, you know, there's that tension. And so 
there's actually not a lot of there is there are there's some blood and guts in it but there's there's not a lot of blood and guts no um there is he dracula is seductive in the same way that uh he's a predator he is and it was kind of interesting to do some research in uh, psychology to like look at how people think and why you know a, a predator would seduce somebody or control somebody manipulate people and that's more the angle i took so uh dracula is a bad dude but for him you know, his perspective he's he's doing what he does you know <laughs> like it, it it he doesn't bat an eye at it but he, i took more inspiration from jeffrey epstein than i did um you know edward from twilight <laughs> yeah, because yeah, snobs asking most important question: Does Clint's vampire sparkle? Uh, you know, it's um, it is it is interesting. You mentioned Jeffrey Epstein. I want to get back to that, but let me do this real quick. We're going to take a very very short break. When we get back, we'll continue our conversation with Clint Stoker about his new Dracula book. Right after this, stay tuned. Sci-fi for me, delivering the multiverse since two thousand nine. Hi everyone, Jason Hunt here inviting you to join us every Saturday for news, science fiction, fantasy, and horror headlines from the week, plus interviews, updates on events going on around the world, and the weather forecast for the same. It's all wrapped up in one neat package for your weekend. We call it Good Morning Multiverse, every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Foreign Bodies, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back. I got it. There it is. There it is. Back live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here, along with our guest, Clint Stoker, who is... Uh, in the process of crowdfunding his new uh, graphic novel, Clint Stoker's Dracula, and it is uh, over, it is 65% of the goal already, just launched uh, uh, this morning, so congratulations there, sir. Thank you, yeah, I appreciate it. We got, I was really keen on the number of backers, we already have 92 backers, so... Uh, that that's fantastic. Hitting that first hundred is such a big milestone. It's so. it's always uh, it fascinated me, interested me to see the breakdown of how uh, the 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 number of backers versus the amount of money that gets raised because you know various different people come into di- different levels, but then you have those people who come back at at additional levels. They'll they'll come back for a second time. And buy something else, or they'll change whatever it is that they've done the first thing. Yeah, I've I've got some extra money. Yeah. I'll go back and do that. When you think about when you when you set up all of your perks and your goals, <clears throat> what kind of milestones to you are the realistic? You know, we need to get. You know, you've got your eight thousand dollar goal here. Uh, you've got your first. I think your first. Uh, 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 stretch goal is a bookmark. You've got the the foil trading card that's dropping for everybody who backs in the first 24 hours. You get all these things. How do you go about deciding what your incentives are going to be? 
it, that's always tough. Um, it's more of an art than a science, but there's um, something I always look at that's true, I think, for every campaign is the average backer dollar amount. So, I mean, you're really just taking the the dollar amount and you're dividing it by the number of backers you have. And uh, that number is significant because there'll be campaigns that are massive and I have far more backers than those massive campaigns. Um, and that's cool. They're offering more things to get that, uh, that backer number up yeah. at the same time, overcomplicated campaigns are, are kind of rough too. So, um, I, I tried to make this one very simple and leaned into just the yeah nature of a simple campaign. And, uh, I, that was my guiding principle. So I knew I wanted to do a PDF this time. I don't always do digital copy, but for this one, I did, um, t-shirts I've been kind of on the fence about, but I, I bundled it a little differently this time with the t-shirt. So we'll see how the t-shirt ends up doing. Um, beyond that, the focus is really on the book. I, because I have so many books that are, you know, in print in, in my home right now in boxes, I have add-ons, uh, so you can get downcast. You can catch up on that if you're a new reader, um, or, you know, catch up where, wherever you're at with downcast and get signed, uh, copies, uh, things like that of the alternate issues. So there are add-ons. It, do, it definitely gets a little bit more complicated on the back end if you want to add things on. Yeah. But I think uh, today's day and age, for Indiegogo, that's the way you got to do it. So yeah, I, it was... I think I like so far this layout of having, I only have, what, five perks? And then um, you can do add-ons on the back end. So it's more simple. You mentioned you mentioned in your launch that it was kind of McDonald's style, where it's it's a very yeah. you know it's a simple menu, easy to read type of thing. Uh, you mentioned the T-shirt. This logo here from Zevius is is that's that's the artwork that's on the T-shirt, correct? Yeah. So well, you're just gonna get the logo, and I I did a test run with this with the the characters at the top, and I asked around. Uh, so I have one T-shirt like that, and uh, everyone said no, just do the logo. Cause it gets hard to see at a distance. Sure. So I think that looks, it looks cool. Uh, but we just went with the logo for the t-shirt. So yep. it's pretty straightforward. Um, Mazur says yeah. my favorite modern Dracula interpretation is Alucard in the anime Helsing, but I love continued new takes on it. We'll be very interested in yours. And Robert was saying, I'd love to see a mixture of Mormon cosmology and Dracula. Um, I don't know. Uh, Robert's also wondering if if your Dracula will have a weird West theme, but I guess since you're in the modern era, that's that's not going to be the case, at least for this version. But yeah. you know, Dracula being immortal, you could do this modern take book, and then you could go back and you could tell an 1800s Wild West Dracula story, and you could just take Dracula, and just put him into various different interpretations. Yeah. And you know, make a whole make a whole franchise out of this. The Dracula, the Clint Stoker's Dracula multiverse. Yeah, right. I absolutely. It's funny you say that because I have um, the trading card set uh, by Henry Ponciano. the The guide that I gave him was, "Hey, I want to do because this is a modern day Dracula, and he has existed for a very long time." You know, uh, and so. The point is I want the trading card set to reflect Dracula over time. So he's got like a 1930s Dracula. We have a modern Dracula, uh, like a, I guess like a Dracula 2020. 
uh, wearing a COVID mask and everything. And we have a OG Dracula. We have, you know, so it's just Dracula through, over time. He's got Dracula, you know, with people on pikes, the, the Vlad the Impaler kind of look. And it, it's really fun. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's so many Dracula stories that have been told already. And so many you could tell just off, based off that premise that he he's immortal. So assuming no one, no one takes him out, uh, you could do some really fun stories all throughout time. Robert is wondering if you can order just the physical trading card set and then buy the PDF to save on shipping. Is that a, is that an option for the different perk mix? Um, so there, I know there's an add-on for the trading card set. I didn't put an add-on for the the digital because there's no shipping. Um, hmm. I'll, I I don't know. I'll have to think. I'll have to think about that. I'd have to add something for you to be able to to do that. So I could probably on the digital perk add the trading card set, but it would include the cost of shipping. So I don't. The answer to your question is I don't have that right now. But I'll let me think about something that. See how I can make that work. So something you said before the break, you mentioned uh, in your research and your homework, looking into this kind of thing. It's it. You can only research vampires so far. Because, you know, vampires not being real or anything. I mean, there's plenty of legend. There's plenty of lore. There's Vlad the Impaler and all of that. But you mentioned Jeffrey Epstein and the psychology of the the predator. Yeah. What, what leads you to that connection between those two? Where, how, did, how did you make that leap from Dracula to, to Epstein? Well, so my my research for this book started in Dracula, the Bram Stoker's the original Dracula, and I tried to get elements from that. And you know, what is Dracula like uh, in this story in context? And then I tried to relate that to modern day and what um, you know who Dracula would be today. And so to me, the, you know, it, it's a Jeffrey Epstein type. And I could probably name several, but he, Jeffrey Epstein was really in the news, especially when I was researching uh, Dracula. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's he's a rich and powerful man. Uh, he's probably a sociopath, you know, and sociopaths have certain tendencies that are, uh, you know, they're very easily documented. They're they're very consistent too between from sociopath to sociopath, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be this, you know, level of manipulation, uh, very good at gaining power. You know, those are, I think the most dangerous kinds of sociopaths. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that's kind of the angle I took, you know, he also has this, the fact that he's undead, <laughs> he has so much experience because of his years in, in existence that, I mean, he's going to have an edge on anybody. Yeah. So, so that was, that was the angle that I took. Yeah. He, he seduces women uh, to become his wives. He has multiple wives, just like in the original book. Um, and, you know, part of that charm is him being a vampire and being able to sort of lock, lock them in uh, eternally. But, but also the fact that he, you know, he's a predator and he's, his prey is human beings. And so he's just very good at manipulating people. 
Now, the multiple wives thing, it's it's going to be very easy for people to make a joke out of that with the with the whole Mormon angle there. Are you and, and yeah. Robert to Robert's question earlier, are is there I mean, you look at something like Battlestar Galactica, for example, which is very steeped in Mormonism. Are you bringing anything like, you know, having being from Utah? I don't know if you're a practicing Mormon or not. I'm making an assumption here. But am, is there yeah. is there any of that in here? Did you did you draw on that at all for anything uh no um the i mean i i had to laugh a little bit too because when i when i looked at the original novel it's i mean dracula he's a polygamist he has multiple (laughs) brides right um i don't know how else to look at that but uh but to me it was it was key to making dracula the character he is and even you know if we take it back to jeffrey epstein he might not have been married uh, to all the women he was surrounded by, but he surrounded himself with women yeah. uh, because it's the power, it's the you know predatory nature, and so so there there's some of that uh, in there. But it's um yeah, I don't typically. I think people ask about it so often. One day I need to write a book that does have a uh, tie-in with um, you know my religious theology uh, in in interesting ways, but I don't. I, it's not something I've done so far. Um, and when I do, I think I'll be pretty open about that. That's your, what I'm doing. Your but. 1800s Dracula Wild West steampunk story yeah. could have him in Utah using Mormonism as a cover for his multiple wives. <laughs> I, absolutely. <laughs> Man, right? there's, there's a ton you could do with it. Yeah. There, there's some interesting uh, Bigfoot stuff, too, that it's not really... I, that's a whole other story, but it's, it, yeah, it's not like doctrine or anything like that, yeah. but there's just in the church, there's some speculation around it and stuff that would, I think make for a really interesting story. Big, that, yeah, Bigfoot, that would be a different one. Bigfoot is just a Wookiee who got lost. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but Ro- a... Robert does point out the, the, the vampire werewolf thing, the dynamic between those two, because you know, we see this play out in underworld. It's been in a number of other things as far as the, the tension between those two. Now that you've got this one book done, and I'm sure you're noodling other stories, not necessarily Dracula stories, but you know, now that you've now that you've dipped your toes into horror, are you thinking about any other kinds of stories that you could do in that genre, in that in that area? Yeah, I I would love to do, and we'll see. I don't like to get too far ahead of myself. Um, so I want to obviously see how the campaign goes, how the book is received. But I think it would be really, really fun to do a Clint Stoker's Frankenstein and a Clint Stoker's Invisible Man, you know, and and sort of just round it out and do some of these other uh, classic horror, you know, tales in my way. Um, and so, yeah, I think that'd be super fun. I don't have uh, specific plans to do that yet, but I could. I absolutely and Donald doing the artwork on this is he is he doing pencils and inks? Yeah, Donald works digitally, um, and he so he, yes he's doing pencil, pencils and inks. He's doing it all digitally, um, and his process I think he works on an iPad actually. So he has like an iPad Pro uh, that he's drawing with, um, and he is really fast. Um, he's also very thoughtful, like about everything. So it, it's kind of interesting to see his process, but I would sometimes get what appeared to be finished ink pages 
and uh, you know a page and then he's like yeah i don't like this one thing and he would change it all and it's finished paged you know his <laughs> second rendition so yeah. um so yeah he, he did all the artwork the gray tone too because i really wasn't was unsure if we needed to do color but the more i thought about it it's like it needs to be black and white because that's the feel i want to go for i think it serves the story the best so yeah I think it really it really looks good. I mean the art the artwork on this. I mean Donald always does really good work. Uh but yeah, I yeah. I agree. The the black and white definitely plays to that uh you know because not only is it a a modern telling, but if you make it black and white, it feels like you know the 1930s 1940s the Bela Lugosi style types of of films, you know, the black and white movies Nosferatu and that sort of thing. Speaking of which, uh, you know, Narwhal's doing the, the Nosferatu book. Did you guys ever ha have a conversation? It's like, uh, we're, you're not necessarily competing, but, you know, these campaigns are coming out pretty close to each other. Was there yeah. was there any conversation back and forth? Like, oh, what are we doing? Yeah, absolutely. We, um, uh, gosh, we talked about it a while ago. He, Narwhal gets his books done really far in advance or at least he did with Nosferatu so I read it I've actually already read it and I read it I think over a year ago at least um and we we got talking a little bit and we thought hey, it'd be fun to do a little crossover mini story so it's a three-page story in in Nosferatu and it's a three-page story in Dracula at the end and they're both just fun and silly it's not uh, meant to be taken seriously but after after you read Dracula, you'll be treated to a, a three page, uh, sort of like sitcom, uh, you know, <laughs> scenario that 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 comes up at the at the end. It's fun. Dracula so, and Nosferatu as the odd couple, huh? Yeah, I'll tell you. In uh, in mine, it's Nosferatu and Dracula go to the dentist, and that <laughs> that that sets you up there. So, uh, uh, Robert yeah. S is uh, is Downcast available in PDF or comic book form? I know Downcast is a comic book form over at Alterna. Uh, yeah. In individual issues, are you are you up to Downcast two and the single issues yet? Yeah. So there are. I actually just got my comp copies for issue number four. Uh, from Alterna, so that will complete that completes the first story arc of okay. Downcast. So, if you want to start getting into Downcast, it, this is actually a great time because you can have a complete. You can binge the first four issues, and so the first four issues are everything in Downcast Volume One and Volume Two of the crowdfunded versions. I need to make an infographic uh, soon <laughs> to explain. <laughs> it's just all these different publication versions. I can see how it would be confusing, but. Yeah. Uh, it's also in uh, digital form. If you, I would also just get pick that up through Alterna Comics. They're selling uh, digital copies of Downcast, so you can catch up that way. Um, now, Downcast, are, the are the digital copies Volume One, or are they just issue one, the single issues like like uh, they're they're publishing in print? Yeah, they're the single issues. Okay. So Alterna, I so I'm not selling any uh, digital of Downcast, so it's all through Alterna. Um, I did on the campaign, I think, for Downcast Volume 2, but now it's just, um, yeah, everything's through alternate. It makes my life easy. Um, so, yeah, I'd send you there. Have if you, you want to just get the trade paperback, I have that as well, and you can actually add that on in the Indiegogo campaign. So you can actually read farther along. Um, 
but add-ons in, in Dracula, you can get Downcast Volume 1 and 2 combined. It's in one single 120-page graphic novel. And then you can get Volume 3 as well, which is stuff that's not even out on Alterna yet. So that's a lot of reading content you can catch up right here in the Indiegogo campaign. Now, have have you gotten to a point yet uh, where clintstoker.com or have you have you got any kind of a single space online where people could just go and start finding links to various things because you've got the books on Alterna you've got all these different campaigns in Indiegogo I don't know if you're doing what Ethan's doing with the eBay or or anything like that but you know you know all the social media is there some central clearinghouse now for Clint Stoker's work yeah uh, so it's sweetcomicshop.com and uh, yeah, that's my website that has, I need to add, because I, I just got a volume or excuse me, issue four through Alterna. So I'll be putting those up online as well. Um, but yeah, that'll get you access to everything that I have so far in stock um, that that's already printed. So yeah, that that's a good place to go. And I'll be exploring a little bit more with eBay and Amazon in the future. I don't know exactly when, but um but yeah, sweetcomicshop.com is a good place to go. You talk about some different ideas that you've got for the next thing. Uh, Snob had asked earlier what your next project was going to be. How how much lead time do you usually take to decide on what the next thing is that you're going to do? Because I'm sure you've got several several possibilities for the next book. Yeah. How, what's your process for deciding which one you do next? Because this one was well, a little unorthodox. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah for me especially. It, it's a little, it was different from what I've been doing. Um, it's uh, I'm trying to get out uh, farther into the future. So um, right now, I already have Downcast Volume Four um, in production. Like uh, it's written, and there are pages being drawn. I think like right now we're close to 16 pages finished. So that's the next book that'll come out and it won't come out until it's finished. That's the plan. I'm going to do it like the Dracula campaign. Um, from there, so I, I'm trying to be out two books ahead. So when Dracula's finished and I ship that out and fulfill it, that's when I want to start making the decision about what comes after Downcast 4. And I have uh, I have several ideas for that. I have to narrow it down. Part of it is just getting the feedback on, well, how did Dracula do? You know, right. and um, you know, is there an appetite for for more in that direction, like we've talked about, or do I want to lean in and and get the, you know, more build out downcast more? Or I have a great series. I don't even want to say the title because it's so great. I don't want anyone to take it. But I have a I have a really good idea that I keep uh, thinking about going back to. I'm not sure though. I might want to make it a novel. Um, not a comic so but we'll see there's there's a lot of potential there so yeah I, but i i will have to decide at the end of the summer <laughs> you haven't done a novel the, in a while book is. yeah it's been it's been some years no um the nice thing about novels is you can just get epic you know you you can add as many pages as you want and uh, really flesh things out in a way that you can do with comics it's just going to take you 
a long time yeah. to, to be able to tell the same amount of story. That raises the question, uh, the possibility of of crowdfunding things other than comic books. I mean, we talked Monday night when we were when we were going back and forth about Uwe Boll's resurrection and him, him coming back. And we talked about, you know, the fact that Sci-Fi for Me could do original short films and whatnot. But, you know, it takes money and resources and whatnot. Yeah. And I'm looking at, you know, Indiegogo and Kickstarter and uh, Zoost or whatever whatever that other one is. Yeah, and you Zoop. Got, yeah, Zoop and, and Substack and Patreon, all of these different places that are possibilities for funding. And I think I'm... I'm I keep ru- coming back to the question, why hasn't there been uh, more novels, more short films, more more projects, you know, multimedia projects in the crowdfunding space than there actually have been? Because, you know, in, in our circles, we see the we see the comics going all the time, but we don't see much else. You know, every now and again, maybe a magazine will pop up or, or something, but... How long do you think it's going to take for that to really take off with other media besides comic books? I I think it has just started with um, Brandon Sanderson and his uh, big massive Kickstarter. What? How much did he raise? Like thirty over thirty million or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, off those that set of four novels. Um, I I can't imagine someone like JK Rowling seeing that and not want to try it herself um, or, you know, any number of authors. So I, I think the floodgates are going to open really quickly here with, um, with books, novels, getting into crowdfunding. We've seen film, but you know, that are not, not a lot of film. They take so long to make. They are very expensive. Yeah, they are. So, I don't, I don't know about film, uh, like if that really changes anything, but I think for novels, there's going to be more. I did a little test on my last campaign and I did a reprint of, uh, I was going to see if I have one handy. I don't, yeah, not, not near me, but, uh, all for Owen was my second novel and, uh, we did a new cover for it, uh, Zevius by Zevius. And, um, I put that out just as an add-on and I sold 300 of them, which might not seem like a lot, but when you compare it to the 800 some odd backers percentage wise, that's pretty good for a book that's already been out that I had been giving out free digital copies of. Well, and, and the other part of that too is, you know, that, that book story wise doesn't have anything to do with the comic book campaign that you were doing. So that even says too, that, you know, there's a certain amount of trust that you have earned from your backers, from your audience. I guess it's kind of like Marvel earning the trust of fans when Guardians of the Galaxy came out. Because nobody heard about Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's a Marvel movie, so we're going to go see it. And, you know, as long as you continue to deliver a certain level of quality for your product and you have that audience that that now trusts you for what you're going to deliver, uh, I think you you can start taking more of those risks. And, yeah. and put out there and say, okay, I've got this thing. Doesn't have anything to do with this, but I've got this thing out here. Let's see how it does. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm encouraged. Like, I'd love to do a, a novel that's hardcover and, you know, just like a nice uh, novel, but it would take, it would just be an investment of time, you know? So it'd take me some time to, to write it and put it together. But 
I, would backers come out? I think I'd have some come out. I don't know, you know, if it hit the same levels of comic book numbers. And so I'd have to take that into consideration. But I think in a larger sense, though, it's going to become more common uh, that you're going to see more novels crowdfunded. Yeah. So uh, Cam on with three A says the the Sweetie Squad is loyal. I, I, is there a is there a Sweetie Squad T-shirt yet that's got your little peppermint on it? No, I think it was just last night that Cam. <laughs> we were trying to think what do we call. I was saying I have my three hundred is my sort of symbolic number. Three hundred fans readers that are back in my projects and want me to keep making books. You know, wow. um, I think it's a few more than three hundred, but uh, but we're like, well, what do we call them? You know, the three hundred. Uh, and then Cam came up with Sweetie Squad, which is, is pretty great. <laughs> oh, well, all right. So uh, let's take a look here. $5,300, 93 backers, 66% of your goal. Uh, and then you're going to be on, you're, you're doing streams pretty much all day today as part of launch day, right? Where are you going next? Yeah, so next I'm actually going to be, well, I'll take a little break. I'm going to eat some lunch and then uh, I'm going to, be streaming back on my channel again with with skits the 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 team behind skits so we'll go back to my channel um tonight i'm going to be streaming with dojo kun comics uh thursday i'm going to be uh streaming with peter Semetti at some point um because he's got his book uh launching tonight actually king cryptid Cryptid, really excited about that so um yeah it's been one of those things that uh I know enough people that have streams and things. I've been getting a few invites, but um, yeah, I'm trying to pace myself. So <laughs> I'll, I'll get some more filled in here pretty yeah. quickly, but today's going to be a lot of streaming and the uh, YouTube primarily channel, on my channel, which is Sweetcast. We will put a link in our notes uh, for anybody who wants to go find him over there. Subscribe there. Are you on any other video platform? Are you doing Rumble or Odyssey yet? No, I haven't. I haven't delved into it. Not yet. Yeah, I think about it. <laughs> We've been actually doing doing pretty well from from a technical standpoint. Odyssey has performed fairly well for us. We haven't got the numbers over there yet, but I've been very impressed, pleasantly surprised at the response we get from the tech support side of people. And, you know, when I was, you know, I'll send an email and say, "Hey, I just ran into this bug. I just ran into this glitch," and I don't know, an hour, maybe less, I'll get some kind of a response from somebody that says, yes, here's what we're really... And they actually explain if they're having a technical glitch or, you know, we, we'd we had an update and it did this, and we're actually getting explanations from them as opposed to, you know, when YouTube had all of those live streams that got struck last Thursday for no reason. I don't know if you got hit with that. But, you know, all of these live streams suddenly got marked private with no appeal. And we're like, what what just happened? And YouTube's like, yeah, there was a there there was a bug. We fixed it. And how how do we avoid this again? It was very strange. But, you know, in the in the run up to YouTube saying that there was a bug and we fixed it. We weren't getting any kind of an explanation from anybody that that what was going on, what had happened. So I've been really, uh, really pleased with Odyssey's uh, support communications because they're actually talking back and and answering questions. So 
That's great. I, I recommend it. I, we ha- we don't have a lot of subscribers over there. 158 is the last, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's got uh, it's got a lot of potential for growth. So nice. <clears throat> All right, so let's take one last look here. Let me do a refresh and see. Maybe up ah, up. Ah, we're getting close. We're getting close. 95 backers now. You're just All five right. away for that magic 100. So uh, close. So there it is, fifty four hundred ninety five backers. So uh, Clint, good luck with it. Congratulations so far on the success. We're looking forward to to seeing what this uh, what this looks like. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it, and uh, thanks for having me on. It's always good to talk to you. Yeah, well, it's good to have you. We we need to do this more often. It's uh, it's it's a lot of fun to have. I always enjoy having having guests on more than just ranting for an hour. <laughs> but, yeah, but it you know it is what it is. <clears throat> All right, that's going to do it for us, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks very much for being here. And uh, don't forget, uh, in terms of our social media and where you can find us, we've got all of those different social media platforms where you can see where we're at. Uh, we do have the PayPal tip jar, the subscribe star account, which I need to do something with. Uh, we've got a newsletter you can sign up for, all that good stuff. And uh, remember to go go check out. We'll put all of Clint's links in our show notes. Uh, so you can find his YouTube channel and his website and his Indiegogo campaign and go check that out. Clint Stoker's Dracula. And, and Clint, I forgot to ask, this is uh, this is going to be August, I think, is when you said this was probably going to ship? Yeah, um, everything's at the printer. I mean, it's, has, it's in scheduled to be printing. Uh, the covers are already printed, from my understanding, but they're, they're telling me their estimate is the first maybe second week of August that they will be shipping the books to me. And there are, they're based here in the U S. So, uh, usually it only takes about three days for me to get the books after they ship them. Okay. Uh, so yeah, should be August. I will know a little bit better probably later today. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I can be more specific with a, a ship date. So, okay. Well, we'll keep an eye on that then. And everybody go check out, uh, sweet cast, the channel over there on YouTube. And, uh, and Clint Stoker's Dracula on Indiegogo. And that's going to do it for us. Thanks very much for being here, everyone. Uh, if you are here in replay, don't forget, you can leave a comment. Send us an email, live from the bunker at sci fi for mecom Hit the thumbs up. Go check us out on Odyssey. Remember, folks, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.